Just one, two, three. All right. I am so glad that you're here this And uh, if you did not hear Lisa say, we have a new soundboard. And for somebody, you know, that, that might come every week and they're not a part of the uh, the sound booth and the team that does all the media and all the sound and all that, uh, you, you might think that it's just a, a plug it in and, and let's do it. But it, it's a lot more than that. And I appreciate all that went into getting this. And and just on that note, can I just take a few seconds before we begin to say thank you very much for how generous you have been. In, in you know, as we uh, have projects that come up, the, the next project that we're doing is... Uh, these are LED lights, but we're trying to replace all the fluorescent lights in the, the children's church, the uh, hallway, the two offices, and uh, it's going to be well over, I believe, around fifteen to $2,000, and I might have that a little bit, but uh, it's a whole other kit that you put into each one of these light fixtures that will save us money and uh you know, I think I'm down to one light because I just refuse to replace the fluorescent lights because we're about ready to do it all. But uh, it's pretty sad when, when you can't, you know, the lights are on. But you think, someone turn on the lights. They're on. So anyway, just the generosity of the last few uh, months during the time that a lot of people are walking in fear. Let me tell you, it, our church has been so generous. And, and so many people that are online... Uh, have given, and it amazes me, they don't even attend our church except through what they see online. And uh, I, I'm talking to you, people that are on Facebook that are, that are watching today, and, and we're, we're going we're gonna to do things together, but the tithe and the offering that, that helps pay for the, the, the bills, and you know, sometimes what can, you, you know, it, it, it's all about you. So in, in that little window of John Miller, I want to say thank you because it reduces a lot of stress in the pastor's life that the church has enough money to pay the bills. Can, can I get an amen from all those that pay bills? Yeah. And so thank you very much for that. Speaking about turning out the lights this morning, uh, Gwen and I realized that the lights went out, not in Georgia, but at the Miller's house. And for no reason, I mean, there wasn't a storm and, uh, you know, we wondered what in the world happened and we called the neighbor, yeah, our lights are off too. Um, we called the electric company and they said, what? They didn't even know it. So it was kind of a mystery, but the same problem, that even though you didn't know the answer, we still had to get dressed in the dark and I don't know if you've ever done that well that's why Brooke would say dad what what happened with the shirt so anyway that, that just kind of giving you an excuse but it reminded me uh, a friend of mine that I heard uh, say that his family was going to take a picture and grandchildren and it was a kind of a family get together I mean they had uh, probably over 30 people and all the little children came up and it was at their church who pastored and uh, they were going to take a picture, but the lights in this building was not completely on. And uh, he, he said that a little one of them, one of the little ch children, ran and got a flashlight and, and held the flashlight 
while they took a picture. And somebody in the family said to the little girl, don't, don't you want to get in the picture? And she said, no, I'd rather hold the light. Now, the, the series that we're in, we've been talking about not one will be able to withstand you, talking about all the, the, the stuff that uh, this year has come against us and how, how we realize that God loves us so much, the goodness of God, uh, that he gives us his protection of the, against the enemy. Uh, and sometimes we're the enemy that we allow uh, things to slip in that we shouldn't slip in. And we, we've talked about how individually each one of us, the, the sermons were really for individuals that are here. That when you lose hope in the future, you will lose power in the present. Because what you're doing is you're saying, God, I don't know if your goodness and your love is for me. I, I hear testimonies and it encourages me, but, but I, I, I'm losing hope. Now, this morning, I want to speak now, not just to individuals, but I mean, to individuals, but you as an individual, I, I want you to take this a step further as we come to an end of this series. That you realize that what you have been given is not just for you. You, you, you know, Abraham, it says, was blessed to be a blessing, and then through him that we receive the blessings of Abraham. But you are blessed not just with finances or, or things of, you know, assets, but you're blessed with what God has given you through his word to be an encouragement to somebody else. You will be placed in a spot around people that don't know what you know. How much God loves you and how much God loves them. It's at that moment that God says, speak up. Let it come out of your mouth so that they can be encouraged, just like someone encouraged you and brought you to the awareness of how much I love you. Now, when you think about holding the flashlight, holding the light for the picture, we need to come to the realization, if we have not already, that the world needs us to hold the light because we know the, the end. We know the picture that's going to come. And those people, we, they can't see. See, they're waiting for somebody to say, you know, I, I don't know where I'm going. I feel like I'm in the dark. Hey, good news. I know who is the light in the darkness. I know, I know. I've heard those things of the Bible. Well, he's a promise keeper. I don't know where I'm going. He's a way maker. Every problem that you're going to face, if I didn't believe this, that's a pretty general statement that sometimes, well, that's pretty big. Can you back that up? No, I can't, but God can. Every problem that you face, God will be there for you. That when the time comes and there's an enemy, this morning the sermon is called Barbarians at the Gate. And you'll know what I mean and what that means in a few minutes. But when 
trouble shows up in your life. I've said it before, but it is there and it asks us all that one question. And the question is, who are you? Because if we're believers and we've heard the goodness of God, and every time trouble shows up, we're easily bumped out of the way, and we're, we're either running for the hill country, you know, oh, I don't know what we're doing, or, or we're laying in a fetal position because we're so scared, or, or we're, we're a, always inner, you know, welcoming doubt in our life. There's time for us. Can I say it just in the very most general, or let me say it in the most kind way? Grow up. You're a believer. You are a child of God. And it's time for you to get, as Paul said, move on from the elementary teachings. And if you ever heard those elementary teachings, you go, well, that's pretty deep. Well, Paul says, come on, let's go up. Let's mature. Let's get on. Let's get the place where we know the truth. If you don't know the truth, it's time to get the truth. That's why you're here today, hopefully. And then as we get it for ourselves, we are... Ready? We're the givers of hope. We go in those dark places and they go, I don't know what we're going to do. Well, good thing I showed up today. Not in an arrogant way, but in a way of giving the truth. Today I want to talk about, when I say one of my favorites, I have so many favorites in the Bible, but, but when we get past the man that I love is David, and, and all the others, Abraham and you know, the Apostle Paul, but, but this guy right here, he, he is so undervalued in the Christian world of watching what he does because it's just what you are going through, but in a smaller way. When you understand that each one of you are kings and queens, that's, so much, that's too much for us to handle. Oh, come on, Pastor John, I'm not a king or queen. Can, can you at least come to the point where all of us are leaders? And when you realize and you study the leadership, leadership is just influence. And you have influence on people around you. Probably one of the biggest leaders in my life is Gwen. Because she can, if I'm not careful, I say, it was at the Holy Spirit? No, that was Gwen. <laughs> and somebody said one time, yeah, the Holy Spirit sounds a lot like my wife's voice. Let me tell you about Hezekiah. Second Chronicles chapter 31 says this. This is what Hezekiah did throughout Judah. Now again, let me remind you, Judah is the southern kingdom. Here's a guy that takes over after an ungodly king, which is his father. But what he is going to choose to do is break the chain of what was popular throughout the generations. It comes to him and he says, no. doing what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his God. And everything that he undertook, did you hear that? And everything that he undertook in the service of God's temple in, in obedience to the law and the commands. He sought his God and worked wholeheartedly. And so, listen to this, four words, and so he prospered. There are a lot of people here today that have prospered and you go, you know what, I don't know if I believe in that. Well, just, just turn down all that you have and say, God, I'm not prosperous and you'll be truthful. But most of us are very prosperous and we're just not to the place that we actually have self-awareness 
you know how much value it is to have electricity in your life? I, again, remembered it this morning. You know, you flip it on, and then you're, boy, I've got to call somebody. I've got to have lights. We're, we're blessed. If you look at the next chapter, in chapter 32, watch this. It says, after all that Hezekiah had so faithfully done, Sennacherib, this is the king, this is the enemy. Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah. He laid siege to the fortified cities, thinking to conquer them for himself. In the last few weeks, we talked about how the children of Israel went to the promised land, Joshua, and we told about the story of Gibeon. And God told Joshua, when he asked, can I, can I defeat them? Should I go? He goes, God says, not one of them will be able to withstand you. And the story goes, is they go against the enemy and annihilate the enemy. Now you say, Pastor John, that, that's Old Testament. That's Bible. But what about me? Let me remind you that the people in the Bible, the Bible says, the people in the Bible are there for your and my examples. So it's more than just a, a tell or a history lesson. The Bible says that we can actually take these, these stories and base our life and put our faith in Him because what He did for them, He can do for us. So when you read a passage of Scripture like this, you oh, that's for me. Oh, don't let me get a promise in the Bible because I'm going to hold on to that. That's for me. And somebody's going to do that this morning, if not all of us. The king is doing what was right. Some of you have lived a godly life and you've seen God work in your life and still the enemy seems to be laying siege outside of your life and wanting to defeat you. In this story again, let me remind you what I said before in the early part of the sermon. This is not just for you, but this is for you and your people that are around you. I don't have to explain that to a mother. All you got to do is say something about their child or try to touch their... Oh, look at that little feminine lady, you know, wearing pink, turns into a gorilla ninja. <laughs> don't be touching my child. Huh? Some of you guys, all you got to do is see a movie, and I don't even want to come outside the movie theater with you because you're really blue, I'm telling you. Arnold Schwarzenegger, I get him by the ear. It's time to look at this. After all he'd done, here comes the enemy. Now, now remember last week and the week before we talked about how the Pharaoh came against the children of Israel. They're under their their toast. Okay, the the army is coming against people that are unarmed. They had just been slaves. And God says, I got you. I, I got it. And as they go through the Red Sea, the enemy is defeated. The week before, Jehoshaphat. The word is, all these barbarians are coming against Israel. And, and he doesn't say, well, we've got a pretty good army. We're going to go out and knock them down. All he says is, oh, no. I'm glad I've got God. And the Bible says that word comes that God says, this is not your fight. This is, I'll take care of it. This is my fight. I'll go get them. And the Bible says that when they go out in the Jehoshaphat, I want you to remember this. 
that when they get there, the enemy has already fought themselves and they're laying defeated on the battlefield. But my favorite part of that is just a few days before they're terrified, what are we going to do? God, 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 you got this, God? Okay, you got it. A couple days now forward the story, and they look down on the valley where the enemy is laying dead, and it takes them three days to carry off all the, the goodies. Three days. I know some people that would complain because God isn't taking care of them, and then they'll turn when he does take care of them and complain that, oh, so much to carry off. It took me three days to get it. It's time to be self-aware of the goodness of God and to realize that God has a purpose in the middle of the storm. We, we sing that song that we're going to raise our hallelujah louder than the storm to remind us. Now watch this. In verse 32, or chapter 32, verse 2, it says, When Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that he intended to make war on Jerusalem, think what he did. We talked about last week, the whole sermon was move, get out and move, quit standing, complaining, maybe whining. God, where are you? What are you going to do? God says move. This is exactly what King Hezekiah is going to do. When the threat to my future comes, see the enemy comes to, to knock you in the head and say, I want you to begin thinking like me. Your future is no more. You don't have a future. So watch what happens when the enemy comes and what they're saying in their action is we're going to defeat you. Now, again, as we talked about in weeks before, is remember that people that will not mix faith with action, with what God has said, His promises, really what they're doing is calling God a liar. And, and Paul says this. Let God be true and every man a liar. Don't allow the voices outside of who you are as a godly person begin speaking to you that it isn't going to happen. Again, the Bible talks about faith without action is dead. If you look at Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3, this is a passage that is so important. A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. Self-awareness. Now, look at 2 Chronicles chapter 32, and we'll get back to the story. When he hears that the enemy that is defeating all the world at that time to them is coming towards them, he moves out and begins to take action. He consulted with his officials and military staff about blocking all the water from the springs outside the city, and they helped him. A large force of men assembled, and they blocked all the springs and the streams that flowed through the land. Why should the king of Assyria come and find plenty of water, they said. Then let's look at this. Then he worked hard repairing all the broken sections of the wall and building towers on it. See, it had laid in ruin. Why? Because there was not a threat. There wasn't someone. And we talked about the whole, if you were here last week, the catfish. You know, the, the people that are keeping you fresh. They had let the walls be broken down and he's repairing it. 
he built another wall outside the one and reinforced the supporting terraces of the city of David. He also made large numbers of weapons and shields. In verse 6 it says, He appointed military officers over the people and assembled them before him in the square at the city gate. Listen, and encouraged them with these words. Before I read these words, I want you to remember that there is no way physically that he can defeat this enemy. See, see, we're not there, we don't understand, but there's no way, they are so outnumbered, but still he's moving out, doing what he can do. Faith without works is dead. He sees an enemy coming, and he's not going to run away, he's not going to lay in a fetal position, and he's not going to justify doing either one. So he gets the officers around in verse 7. This sounds familiar. And if you were here through this series, I don't want you to call it out, but see where this was first spoken. In verse 7, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Then it says, Because the king of Assyria and the vast army with him, for there is is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and fight our battles. What happened because he said those words? All the king, all the the purple robes and the big rings and the crown doesn't mean a hill of beans to people that are in fear. But those words do. And it says those words that follow. And the people gained Confidence. Do you know what another word for that is? They began to hope. When that happens, I, I just want to let you know what happens in my life and what, I ha- what happens in most of our lives together is when we get confidence, when we get a word from God and all of a sudden we, you know, Oh, sing that song again. I'm ready to, you know, charge hell with a squirt gun. I'm ready to hunt bear with a switch. I'm ready. As soon as we get a word from God, the enemy shows up to say, Who are you? And he puts that word to the test. New soundboard. (laughs) Anybody beside me had that happen to you? Something's wrong. Only me holding my hand up there. Anyway, anyway. Feel like a lion in a den of Daniels. All right. I, I love you guys. Watch this. When the enemy showed up, he came against who they were. Their identity. They were fired up. They had confidence. They had hope. Now watch. Because if you see this happening in your life right now, it can be a word for it. Any time that war goes on all over the world, you know, all through history, if you study war history and all that, there's always an element of propaganda. The, the Germans did it crazily. The Japanese did it. Uh, I think it's Matahari, you know, and, and what she would do is she would come over the, the uh, radio, you know, and begin speaking to the Allied forces, um, fighting the Japanese, and she wouldn't say, always, just we're going to defeat you, but she would try to get into the heads of those soldiers that were fighting against them, and here's what the enemy would do to the American soldiers. While you're here, there's a guy back flirting with your wife, 
and I won't go into details, but she would go on and on and on and on. And all these guys that are ready to go into battle, just that little seed of thought that something might be happening with my family or an enemy might be attacking them right now. They say that they had reports that she was saying the Statue of Liberty is burning and, and we've conquered New York and Washington. And they're like, what? We didn't hear that. Well, maybe our, maybe our commanders are holding that from us. Just, just a little drumbeat of fear, doubt, unbelief. Just, just, just a seed that is planted in the, the, the soldier's life will cause them to kind of hesitate a little bit and pull back. Now, in this story, that's exactly what the enemy's doing. Because in your life, you might have gotten to a place in the last few months that you got confidence again. We're, we're going to make it through this. And, and, and maybe, you know, there's some things and mistakes and problems that we have done. But now, I don't know about you, but it kind of, I kind of went, oh, we got to be inside and we got to be shut down for all these weeks. And I was like, by the end of it, man, I was like, man, I don't think I've slowed down this much in my whole life. It kind of felt good to kind of, what I thought was, God has a plan for us. Can you say amen? amen? The enemy comes in though that says, you know all the plans that you have, all the plans that God has for you, I'm going to tell you, you're dreaming. This powerful king comes into this story and I want you to hear this. That he sends a delegation to Jerusalem where they're locked in. They're fortified against the enemy. Now, now, what I'm going to tell you, I'm going to read some of it, but, but I want you to know this because it's very important. That the, the people that met them outside of the wall and were talking to them said this, all of your accusations that you're telling us it's going to happen, we want you to say it in your own language from the Assyrians. And they go, ha we're going to say it loud in Hebrew so all those people on the wall can hear it. So when they hear it, and fear comes into their life, because what we're going to do, we want them all to make a decision for themselves. Here's people, because of what Hezekiah's done, that are confident, they have hope, and the enemy's coming to just to, just to plant some seeds of doubt. This week when I study this, because I've, I've preached this message and I, this is such a good message for me to understand at times when I... Is I want to understand that if you know the story of Hezekiah, when he becomes king as a young man, he goes in and he begins to do things that really no king has done all the way back since David. He tears down all the idols. There are high places in the mountains around Jerusalem in Israel that they would sacrifice to the other gods. There was a god called Ashner that they would create a, a pole and, and it was like kind of what I understand is like a totem pole but at the same time that they would have groves that were around those that would have sexual orgies and things. Just horrible things that would take place and even through godly kings they would never tear those down. They would just worship God on those high places. But God says, I don't want to be worshipped on those side places. Before they even got into Israel, he said, tear all those down and quit worshipping that. Hezekiah does it. 
He has what you would call religious reef. They're going to plant doubt because I'm sure there's people in Israel going, I don't know if we're in this spot because of those idols we used to worship maybe wouldn't have got us in this spot. Or maybe those idols could have got us out of this spot. For some reason, it can't be my fault. It's got to be those guys in the sound booth. <laughs> Is this better? Well, let's see. I forgive you guys for whatever I was thinking about you. I just want to make that clear. It says this in 32 verse 16. It says, ribs also spoke further against the Lord God and against the servant Hezekiah. The king also wrote, listen to this, the king in his audacity wrote letters insulting the Lord. The devil will do that to your life. You're packed with that. The God of Israel and saying this against him, just as the gods of the people of the other lands did not rescue their people from my hand, so the God of Hezekiah will not rescue his people from my hand. Does anybody see somebody talking trash to God? Then they called out in Hebrew to the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall to terrify them and make them afraid in order to capture the city. They spoke about the God of Jerusalem as they did about the gods of the other peoples of the world, the work of men's hands. In other words, the idols. Now again, the enemy begins not only to do fear, doubt, and unbelief in their life, what you have, here, here's the fear. What you have is not enough. The doubt is God's holding out on you. You'd be more happy if you would be in another family. You'd be more happy if you'd be in that job. You, you, your brother shouldn't be making that much money when you don't make that much money. All those fear, doubt, and unbelief that comes into our life that tries to talk us out of the goodness of where God has put us. The enemy comes in to do another thing is those people that were wondering, was it right to break down the idols? Here's what the enemy's doing right here, is causing division. Have you ever had division in your family? Because you can have a family with children and everything, and boy, let me tell you, all of us, before they get adults, I'm talking about the division comes between mom and dad. And the enemy knows to divide and conquer. And all he has to do is begin talking. Just a little fear, just a little doubt, little un. You'd be better without him. You'd be better without her. She don't have a clue. If she loved you, she would do this. If she loved you, she wouldn't be saying that about you. Huh? She, if, if she loved you, she might lose a little weight. This, this is for real people here. I'm sorry. You're not married yet, so I appreciate that. <laughs> but I appreciate the support, because here we go. You know, if he loved you, he wouldn't spend so much time at work. He'd spend more time with you. All those little division things that the enemy comes in, he, he doesn't care about you. This is the part of growing up.
New soundboard, not new microphone. All right, well, we'll get that done. Let's take up an offering. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the enemy don't want you to prosper. So the difference is, who are you listening to? Because it's framing your thinking, and because of that, here comes the division. Do you know that the enemy will get you divided in order to conquer out of just the fear of what's going to happen? Do you, you know, sometimes you watch these old westerns and they're black and white, and, and you see, I don't know if you guys ever watched that movie, it's uh, Black Bart. If you've ever heard, this isn't actually a, a, a villain back in the western days. Do you know that he robbed 28 stagecoaches? He didn't, he didn't take any hostages. To my knowledge, he never killed anybody. But nobody stood up to him. And to, to record, no sheriff ever went out on a posse to get him. Because he wore a black hood that they said caused so much fear that people would just melt at the words that he was in the area. I've, I've often laughed to think that if they would have taken the hood off, he might have worked at the local library, you know, and it's a little guy. Not if you work at a library, I'm saying anything about that, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> he could bench, you know, 50 pounds, you know, he's a little guy. But because of the fear, you know, I, some of you heard, I own this little border collie, and what's amazing is border collies, when they grow up, they're only about 35 pounds. But those little dogs can go out and bark and scare 50 sheep and control the whole herd out of fear. I wonder so many times if we don't watch it, our emotion when it comes to fear will guide us in a place and put us where we don't want to go and then we're almost too ashamed to admit we believed a lot. So, Pastor, you, you know the problem. What's the answer? Don't overlook the answer. You got, you got notes? Write these down. Here's the answer. One thing. God's love. If you get to the place where you think that you're better off somewhere else, if you've got division in your life between your family, to realize God's love for you. When God... When you have a revelation of who God is, there's no way you have the correct revelation without first understanding how much God loves you. When you walk down the street and you realize how much God loves you, somebody can say something to you, boo, and you're going to go, what was that? That went over real good, I can tell. I say it when you walk down the street. Is it the way I say it's going to get you fired up? Come on now. Here's Hezekiah. He's got to be in a place that he would like to be somewhere else beside right here. I'm sure he's in a place where he'd like to put the crown on someone else's head. Okay. And, and tell these people, you know, what would you think is right? Because everybody probably had an opinion. Can everybody agree that when you're going through difficult times, everybody has an opinion? Well, what do you think, Fox News? What do you think, CNN? Oh, they got an opinion. 
I hope you voted. <laughs> now watch this. It says that he did all these things and he says, and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. The greater is he that is with us than he that is in the world. Now, now he's already encouraged, they've already got encouraged. Now, he begins to do something a lot of us miss. Good. About ready to get free of this microphone. Here's the king. He didn't put his hope in some new war weapon or some magical dust, but he put his whole trust his hope in God. The, the letter that the enemy wrote him, get this, this is genius. He takes that letter insulting God and telling God and Hezekiah and the Israelite people, the people of Judah, we're coming to get you. You know, I know, you're going to be defeated. Now, you know the end of the story, people of the chapel, but they don't. What will they do? Just like you don't know the end of your story, how it's going to be acted out, all the details. Hopefully you know that for all of us that are believers, it ends in good news. We we can get fired up. We know the end of the Bible and it's a good... We we can do it. But it's living from here to there. Sennacherib has just insulted God. And he's written a letter. And I'm going to take this full. And in this letter is all the things that he's going to do, not only to you, but to your children, to your wives, to your husbands. And then he's going to say, really what he's going to do is say, and I'll tell you what your future is. It's not going to be good. You're going to serve me. Some of you have heard the enemy say that. And some of you are believing that it's better to serve him. Just like last week, it's better to go back to Pharaoh. It's better to go back to Egypt. But I'm telling you, it's not. It's time for us, when we get to this point of fear where it's either fight or flight, it's time to say, God, you're fighting for me. And, and, he, and here's Hezekiah. And I'm sure that he was going, God, I, I remember back all the way to Joshua chapter 1, when the prophets read this, that you told him to be strong and courageous. And I just told all people, be strong and courageous. But God, I, I don't know how it's going to happen. I know what you're going to do. I don't, I don't see any Red Sea that we could walk through and, and maybe the enemy had follow us through that and like you did. Maybe I could send out the choir, you know, like in Jehoshaphat's time and, and maybe that'd work. God, God, what do you want me to do? And he takes that letter. Watch this. And, and as an example, this is, say, an altar, and he takes it in, and he lays it on the altar. And he begins to pray and say, God, you see what the enemy has insulted us and insulted you. God, I, I want to ask you, because right now I, I'm not in my strongest. I'm believing you. I know that my future is with you. I, I know the end of the story, but God, from, from where I'm at now to the end of the story, God, God, 
you can you read this later? Just to you. Somewhere by yourself. But I want to read it. And then you can meditate on it this week as you read it again. It's found in Isaiah 37 because the prophet is there. He's writing this, but then also you can read it in 1 Kings. But it says this. Here's God's answer to the the letter that Sennacherib writes. Put yourself, because your family is there in Jerusalem. Your friends are there. You've been to church with them. Now there's an enemy just outside ready to come in and kill us, take us slaves. And our God, your God, the same God that you're going to give hope to somebody this week, this month, this year, oh, we're going to die. Fear, doubt, and unbelief comes at you. You're going to say, I know my God. I know that His love is for us. Now watch this. God's answer is this. He talks and He says, but I know where you stay, talking to Sennacherib. <laughs> it's something different when somebody's speaking, I know where you live. My microphone's getting more excited. Come on! But I know where you stay and when you come and go and how you rage against me because you rage against me and because you, you're so insolent has reached my ears. I, oh, look at this. God says, ooh, sookie, sookie, you got me upset now. I'm coming. He says, I'm going to put my hook in your nose. And my bit in your mouth, and I will make you return by the way you came. I don't know about you, but Snickerb, you write enemy, you can write circumstances, you can write all you want of fear, doubt, and unbelief. But I don't want to hear God say, "Got the hook." You want the hook? That's what He's saying to the enemy. He doesn't love the enemy. God loves you. He loves me. And he says to our enemy, I've got a hook. And all your arrogance that's coming against my children, all the fear, and can we, can we fill in all the blank? I'll just say it right here. All the sickness and disease that's possibly in the world right now, speaking to you, COVID could get on you. I'm telling you right now, if COVID gets on you, you say, get off. You know, it's amazing. Couldn't I just stop? Because I get so fired up when I think of the favor on the life of a believer. This last week, I heard something. My uncle that's 73 years old got COVID. And, of course, at that age, you know, we're going up. He's still teaching high school, and he, him and his wife, they uh, they make some calls, and there's a research company in the same town, and they said we'll, we'll pay, you know, and it's going to be expensive to get this new medicine now. And and they they go and they say, you know what? What we're going to do for you, and, and we're going to give you. Uh, uh, they said we'll, we'll pay for it to you know that that new medicine. And they go, no, 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 no. What we're going to do is we're going to give you. $200 every time that you come and your wife to get the medicine. Wait, 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 just a minute. You're going to give us $200? Yeah. 
uh, how many times? It's going to be $1,900. I said, what a piece. I said, wait just a minute. Wait, 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 slow down, slow down to my sister. Whoa, whoa. You mean in the time of the fear, doubt, and unbelief, all the th- hitting them, they're going to walk away with $3,800? And my uncle said he felt like, you know, 25 years old when he's taking this. Now again, I'm not trying to downplay how strong Sennacherib is. I'm not downplaying how strong COVID is and what it can do. But I'm saying when you realize how big your God is, the enemy starts getting smaller. And we have to get to that point where we expect the enemy to show up and trouble to show up and say, how big is your God? Bigger than you. Now, now let me just, I, I'm running out of time because we got something special. To, to, uh, mm. But here, here's what I want you to know. Is the enemy is camped just over there. They can see their fires. They can see them at, in the daytime. They're over there. This big army. That night after God throws the hook out, you know, he says, mm, you, talk, you, you talking to me? God says, I know where you stays. You don't know who I am. You better call somebody. You're insulting me. And the Bible says that he says, I'm going to put a hook in in a bridle and put you back to where you came from. And the Bible says that night, he sends his angel. One angel, it says. Can I remind you, your God is bigger than the problems you're facing right now. One angel, that angel goes down to the camp of the enemy and 185,000 soldiers are dead the next morning. So Necrob comes out, you know, all arrogant out of his tent, I'm assuming, and goes, What happened? Let's go home. All of a sudden he got, you know, that scared Mickey Mouse voice. What happened? I don't know that. That's what my thing is. It's not in the Bible. You know, like it says there in Hezekiah chapter 3. Hezekiah's in a book. It's Chronicles. But some people get it out. Don't don't be preaching that he got in a Mickey Mouse voice. But I'm sure that he got scared. And he regretted talking about God. That, that, that That's where you are. You need to realize and make your enemy regret speaking against the child of God. Now, this morning, here's what's the kicker. He goes back to Assyria, and the Bible says, this is something because he was bragging about his God and how bad his God was. His God wasn't so powerful because in the end, his own sons go into the temple of King Sennacherib where he's worshiping that God. That puny God, you know. Anyway, that's another. Paul knows what I'm talking about, right, Paul? Okay. <laughs> the Avengers. Anyway, he's just a puny God. He's praying to the puny God, and his own sons kill him. The enemy, the guy that was so arrogant, speaking against God, saying to Jerusalem, "I'm going to overcome you. I'm going to take you." And God says, mm, "Don't think so." The same God that took care of Jehoshaphat. The same God that took care of 
Moses and the people of Israel against Pharaoh. The same God that took care of Joshua going into the promised land. Be strong and courageous. What you're dealing with right now that's causing you to act. It's, it's kind of a joke to check yourself before you wreck yourself. You know, you, you got to understand self-awareness. You have to understand that the enemy's coming against you, making what you are right now, what you're looking at is not as good as what he's prof- promising you. What you understand though is that God has you right where he wants you. The things that have been in your past have brought you to a place for such a time as this. In the middle of your struggles, in the middle of everything that's going to come against you and has come against you this year, it's time for you to step up. In the times of fear, doubt, and unbelief that the enemy and circumstances come against you, you're going to be thankful. God, I know your goodness and your love. And as you're thankful, as we're gonna, we're gonna go into in the next couple of weeks and into the Thanksgiving season, thankfulness is a revelation that you have recognized the goodness of God. When you're thankful, all of a sudden, you'll start seeing power come into your life. I don't know if I like where I'm at. I don't know if I like the people around me. I don't know if I like, all of a sudden, when you realize how good God is, that you trust that his provision will take you to the next season, the next year, the next year in your life, and then you'll look back and go, God, thank you. I want you to hear of the goodness of God in one of our church members' lives. I want to ask, Nita, if you'll come at this time and, and share with us the goodness of God that has taken place in your life. Let's give her a hand. It's been a long time since I've stood in front of a congregation. <laughs> um, about 20 years ago, I was um, in Bible school in Pensacola, Florida, at the Brownsville Revival School of Ministry. And Breast cancer is in my family. Um, my mother had breast cancer at 45. And my dad's side of the family, his sister had breast cancer. So it's all over our family. And Scott's mom died of breast cancer. So we have breast cancer all over the place. <clears throat> and um, so 20 years ago, we were head, I was heading to service. And the enemy, I, I was broke. I was working for the school, going through ministry school. I was broke, no health insurance. Um, I had turned 40, and the whole way to church, I was, I was being attacked by the enemy, going, you're going to get breast cancer. You hadn't had a mammogram and you know, so many years, and blah, 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 you know, just lie after lie after lie. And I'm like, oh, Lord, this is, I just can't do this. So I get into church, and we get to um, the middle of the, or after worship. And, you know, God is so faithful. Um, one of the leaders stood up, and he said, he started speaking out things to the congregation. And he, he comes against generational curses 
You know, I speak against generational curses. I speak against this in the name of Jesus, your new creation in God. And so um, then he spoke up and he said, and breast cancer, you have no place because you are a new creation in God. And all those generational curses are broken in Jesus' name. So, you know, I'm up there going, I receive this because I've just been battling you know, 20 minutes on my way to church. Fast forward to today. It is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, too, which is so appropriate. Um, the end of August, it's been a rough 12 months, you guys. Um, the end of August, I went and had my annual stuff done and had a mammogram done. Get a phone call. Things don't look good. Something's wrong. So we need you to come back in. So I'm like, okay. You know, been there, done that, had a breast biopsy in the 90s. I'm okay. And then I go in for the second mammogram. They go, we need to do a needle biopsy. And I'm like, Lord, you promised me I would not get breast cancer. And now they're telling me that they're suspecting that I have breast cancer. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not gonna receive this, but let me tell you guys, I'm human. I mean, I'm weak and I'm going, I, I'm scared. I mean, I'm just point blank scared about this because I'm going, no, you gave me a word, Lord, but, you know, what's the doctor saying? I go in, I had the um, needle biopsy done get a phone call. It's pre-cancer. We have pre-cancer in there. And we need to take you in and do a lumpectomy or biopsy, whatever. And I'm like, man, Lord, <laughs> you know, you told me I would not have breast cancer. And, you know, I'm just, I'm standing on it. I'm weak. I'm really weak. I even, the, um, the leader that spoke that out in church 20 years ago, I even reached out to him and his wife going, Bob, I know that word was for me. And he's like, that word was for you. And we believe it was for you. So you stand on that. And, you know, and then I was reading like, him and his wife told me, start reading the Psalms, you know? And you, the one that got to me the most was Psalm 13 where David is just whining up a storm. But, you know, I mean, we're allowed to. You know, God says it's okay. You know, I'm still faithful. So anyway, that's how I felt was like, man, Lord, Lord. So to top it all off, I go in, I have the surgery done. And, you know, I get my little text message that my biopsy's back, and this is on a Thursday. And I'm like, and I have my doctor's appointment on Monday. Now, I mean, again, I believe God's word, but I'm still weak. <laughs> and, but there were no biopsies in the text. It, text. it just said, you know, here's the results of your biopsy after surgery. And I'm like, there's nothing there. So I'm freaking out at this point because no normally they'll send you, if everything's negative, they'll send it to you. But if not, 
you talk to the doctor, but when we went to the doctor on Monday, um, this couple of weeks ago, um, first thing she said was, it was negative. So, you know, we got to pre-cancer, but we never did get cancer. And, you know, and I thank God for that because that was a rough, rough season right there. So, anyway, I'll let him talk. <laughs> Let me fill in a couple of the blanks for you here. Sorry, I, I talk aloud. Um, when Nina and I first met, we, when we were first married, she told me this testimony about how the Lord had spoken over her and said that she would never get cancer, that he had, you know, that his faithfulness was going to take care of her. But during this time when this thing came back up in the last few weeks, her faith began to just fade. Emotions took over, as you can imagine. But God, God said, Scott, you need to lift her up because when she told me her testimony about never going to get how she was never going to get breast cancer like it was in her family, immediately I got a witness in my spirit that told me, "Hey, I felt that. You know, there's one, there's something that God can can speak to your heart that you know was God. Okay, and, and you know, and, and I love Mubby and, and her family, those two beautiful kids, but God spoke to them and said, well, I'm giving you children. And I'm sure there might have been a little bit of, well, are you sure, God, you know? But God blessed them in their faith. I know that her faith in the Lord spoke to me and spoke to my heart. Okay, So I, I helped to lift her faith up during that time because the, the enemy was attacking. Okay, But God is good and God is faithful. Now, on the other side of that, I was in a job situation that was just taking me down. Long story short, the Lord opened the door for me to join the IT department of Kenneth Copeland Ministries. You know, and instead of instead of being exposed to the junk of the world, we're going to pray before every meeting. We're going to have devotions at 10 a.m. every morning on the job, and we're going to have chapel once a week. So, you know, God is taking me out of a situation that I just, you know, you, you bloom. Or you, you know, you shine where you're planted. Sometimes you just, you can't shine anymore. I mean, you're just falling apart on the inside, on the outside. You're just, your health is falling apart. And um, so God has put me in a place where I can now grow, be fed. And, and it's, a, it's, it's the best job that I've ever had in my life. That's the faithfulness, the faithfulness of God. I apologize. She hasn't been up here in 20 years. I hadn't been up here in 20 minutes. I'm <laughs> But God is faithful. He was faithful to Mummy and Bruno. He was faithful to Nina. And he will be faithful to you too. Okay? 
And you can look him in the eye and go, you're more than okay. God has a plan for you, and he's going to see it through. He knows where you stay, too. And he's got your back. This morning, as we come to the end of this message, I want to give you a chance to respond. And here's how you do that. As the worship team comes back up, you allow yourself to be thankful. Now, now I can't fill in all the, because only you know the blanks. I, I remember when I'm going through this, and God, you were faithful. And some of you, listen to me, some of you right now are going through something, and you have a little bit of a, an attack coming, you got a big attack coming against you, and, they're, and, and the circumstances of life are saying, you'd be better over there. Or, or you, don't, you don't have it as good as if the enemy was in charge of your life. God has a plan for you. If you'll allow God to be God in your life, if you'll listen to him, this week, let, let's pick a day. On Thursday at 2 o'clock, the enemy might come against you at that time. I'm just throwing out a time. But are you ready on Thursday as well as you are right now, church? Be ready. Be, be in the Word of God. You can watch this message again and be right back here mentally of where you were. It'll be up to you if you join in spiritually. The, the Word might come back. You know, they're, they're cutting down our, our workforce. And you might be on the, you know, on the chopping block as an employer or an employee of the business. You say, God's got something better for me. He's brought me to this place for something better. And instead of letting Sennacherib, the enemy, write a letter telling you of your future, you say, my God's bigger than you. Can, can you do that? Yeah. Can you just stand? Just if, if, you, if you, you say, you know, Pastor, I, I sing so low, so low that people can't hear me. If you're like that, you know, you're, can, can you just mouth the words loud enough that you yourself can hear your mouth say it? Listen to the words. He's a way maker. God, I don't know how I'm going to get there. I'll make a way. God, I haven't heard your voice and I don't know if I'm on the right track. He says, I'm the light in the darkness. Follow me. Follow me. Keep doing what I've told you to do. And you'll see God bring you from where you are all the way to what he's promised you. Just close your eyes just for a few seconds. God, today, you're more than enough. And Father, this morning, as we come in agreement with one another, that the enemy that's outside the walls of our life trying to defeat us, the God, that we will not allow the enemy to speak into our life, fear, doubt, unbelief, division, but God, we will stand strong for you and with each other. God, you're waiting. Give me three minutes. Would you just sit down just real quick? Even when you don't see, even when you don't feel, he's still working. I, I want to take a moment just to honor some people. Can, can I have Lisa, if you'll come up here, Pastor Keith, Pastor Mark Miller, Luke Miller, this is, this was Negrib's letter. Now it is appreciation. There's an honorarium in each one of these cars. Lisa said, I speak against that. Well, okay, well.
must have went out just to coordinate the children's ministry. Him and Christy have been so valuable to our church, especially over the last few years. But I, I want to, as, as pastor of the church, and this is Pastor Appreciation Month, and I always appreciate what you guys, why don't you come up here? If you come up here, they'll give me three more minutes. All right. <laughs> but this is Pastor Keith. You can hold his. And, and you guys honor us every year as pastor of the church. And these guys play such a vital role. And, and I, I would say behind the scenes, but it's more than that. I mean, it, it's in the front. As you know, Lisa every week uh, invites us. And it, it's up to us if we go. But invites us into the throne room of God and, and worship and praise to him. You know, some of you, uh, we bring Luke and, and Mark up to kind of give updates because we're unaware of the goodness of God working in our, our young people and our, our, our young adults that are meeting at Axiom on Sunday nights. Uh, I, I get the privilege, going in, I get the privilege of hearing the reports and a lot of times Luke can't even get hardly in the car without calling us on Wednesday night going, man, God showed up tonight. And, and he did some amazing things in the young people's hearts. And the same thing with, you know, our young adults on Sunday nights and just how people are coming. And, and, and sometimes there, there's young people that are they're just looking for friends. And they show up and they go, wow, God has done some amazing things in the life of our young adults. Our, our children, aren't you glad that you have confidence in our children's minister that all they do in our church? Can you say amen to that? so appreciative that our, our children, Gwen and I, you know, we have four children. Sometimes it felt like 40 children, but if we had 40 or four that we knew on Sunday that we didn't have to, you know, park them in the sanctuary because we didn't trust what was going back. No, 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 no. Mr. Keith and Christy have been friends of ours and we know they're hard. And as they went to children's ministry, they learned the things of God. That They came home and said, Dad, I'm not for sure you're right on that point. You know, I think... Where you been? I've been in the children's ministry. Well, God's got a hook, Junior, and you better be quiet. No, I'm kidding. But God is good to our church, and through these ministers, let's give them a hand. We turn around and saw the worship team as ministers too. Amen. Let's give them a hand. Look at all those good people. good. God is good. And again, as we are leaving today and we have our offering plates at the, the back door, you guys have been so generous in all that you've done for us. And Bruno's charging the mail. Is it so? Yeah. Oh, we have amazing pastors. That's right. And as a gentleman, they, they are sometimes behind the scenes. They're doing things that we don't even know. They're praying for us. We might think that, you know, no one cares, but they do. They are looking at pictures of us and going, each one of us praying over us. They are happy for our happiness, and they cry when we're sad. They pray with us all times. They go where other people won't. They get right there in front of the enemy, praying for God for us. And sometimes we don't even know it. So whenever you think that 
No one is praying for you. No one is caring for you. They are. And they are sacrificing for us. So this is just a tiny, tiny, tiny token of appreciation for what you guys do. Because we cannot repay for what you do. We cannot even imagine how much you sacrifice for this church. For all these years that you have done. We cannot thank you enough. So this is just a tiny, tiny token of our appreciation. Thank you so much.